Okay. Got the energy once more. We are going to do chapter three pretty, pretty fast from yeah. chapter two. So it's, this is coming out a bit more quicker than the space of chapter one of chapter two. Uh, I'll let you guys hear what I was referring to yesterday. Not yesterday. Well, eh, kind of yesterday. Anyways, what I meant about my audio, uh, trying the audio thingy, where to see if it works. Cause it was, it it, make, it makes my audio sound good, but then really weird and disoriented sometimes. So I'm gonna leave a little snippet of that real quick. This is just the second part of the audio. This is what the thing is gonna sound like. I don't know if it's gonna sound weird right now, so I'll, it depends if I keep this or delete it. But let me like. I listened back on that. Yeah, that thing. It does sound fucking weird. It is weird. I knew it was weird. That's why I, that last bit. I didn't. I didn't make a noise. I, I didn't do a noise. I was just me speaking. I don't know why it made my voice sound like that or do that. So I'm not gonna be doing that. But. That's just so you guys can hear what I was referring to, so you guys get an idea of what I can wise or what I can just press two buttons wise. But oh, Troll Street was such a good movie. It was a lot better than I thought. I kind of wish I watched Trolls Two in one before I watched Trolls Three. But I don't know. People have been saying Trolls Three is like. A lot more funny or a lot more catered to adults because i i picked up there's a lot of fucked up well not fucked up like dirty jokes in trolls 3. i don't know i like that movie a lot it was really good it was a really good movie maybe i'll watch trolls 2. you know i've been wanting to watch ted 2 for some reason i don't know why i didn't i never watched ted or thought it was funny so i don't know i might i might give ted 2 a watch <laughs> For no reason. A movie people should watch, uh, and a watch. <laughs> it has Jake Gyllenhaal in it. It is a good movie. You should watch it. It is a cop movie. It's pretty good. It is a good, funny movie. Uh, what other movies should you watch? I don't know, but you should play puppet combo games as well. Those are always scary, fun games. I was just trying to make this intro a little bit longer because I didn't really think of anything funny to say. So I just wanted to add the snippets in there. What? What's going on? Oh yeah. No, that's not really what's going on. I think I could take on a black bear. I feel like it can't be the worst to take on a black bear. I, I don't know. I know I can't fight a brown bear. Not for a fucking fact. Motherfuckers are huge. But black bear? Maybe. Maybe. I'll, I'll put a Q&A. Can I... Do you guys think I could kill a black bear? Leave your responses below. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. We'll, we'll start. We'll start the book. Uh, like how I previewed last time. Dud, dud, dud. Chapter 3. Dud, dud, dud. <laughs> Charlie st startled? Startled out of sleep. Disoriented. Something was banging on her door, trying to force her way in. Oh, oh, for goodness sake, Jessica said grump. Oh, for goodness sake, Jessica said grumpily, and Charlie blinked up and sat up. Right, the motel, Hurricane. Someone was knocking on the door. 
As Jessica went to answer the door, Charlie got out of bed and looked at the clock. It was 10 a.m. She looked out the window at the bright new day. She had slept worse than usual. Not nightmares, but dark dreams she could not right, quite remember. Things that struck, stuck with her. Just beyond the back of her mind, images that she could not catch. What the f- Someone was screeching? Uh, okay, I'm gonna have to make up. Oh, it's a new character, guys! I gotta do a new voice. Is it, is it a lady? It is. It's a girl. It's a girl character. Charlie! 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 No. Charlie. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's, that's gonna be Marla's voice. Charlie! Someone was screeching. Charlie! Someone was screeching. Charlie went to the door and found herself immediately in, in looped in a hug. Marla's plump... What the fuck? Plump arms. Fuck, you gotta include that description of her. Gripping her like a vase. Charlie hugged her back tighter than she meant to. When Marla let go, she stepped back, grinning. Marla's mood had always been so intense. They were, they were contagious, spreading out to whoever was in her path. When she was gloomy, a path fell all over her friends. The sun gone behind her cloud. She, she, when she was happy, like now, it was impossible to avoid the lifted joy. She was always breathless, always slightly scattered, always giving the impression she was running late, though she almost never... <clears throat> Marla was wearing a loose... What? Never was. Oh. Marla was wearing a loose, dark red blouse, and it suited her well, setting off her fair skin and dark brown hair. <laughs> Charlie had kept in better touch with Marla than the others. Marla was the type who made it easy to stay friends, even at distance. Even as a little kid, she fucking coke bottle open. Jesus. Oh. Give me a sec. Ah, oh, have you guys heard the Foxy TikTok? The little the plush one. This one. Yes. Pretty good TikTok. You should watch it. Anyways, even as a little kid, she always sending letters and postcards. Undeterred, if Charlie didn't respond to everyone, she was res resultly, resultly, resultly positive and assumed that everyone liked her unless they made it clear otherwise. Using the proper explanatives, Charlie admired it about her. She, she herself, though not shy, was always calculating. Does a person like me? Are they just being polite? How, how do people tell the difference? Marla had come to visit her once when she, they were 12. She had charmed Charlie's aunt and made fast friends with her school friends, while still making it abundantly clear that she was Charlie's friend and she was only here to see Charlie. Marla's gigantic smile turned serious as she studied Charlie, peering at her as yes, if she, trying to spot the differences since they last met. You're as pale as ever. She took Charlie's hands down in her own. And you're all clammy. Don't you ever get warm? She dropped Charlie's hands and proceeded to study to the study to study the motel room skeptically, as though uncertain exactly what it was. It's the luxurious sight, sweet, Jessica said. 
without expression as she searched for something in her bag. Her hair was sticking up in all directions, and Charlie stif stifled a smile. It was nice to see something about Jessica in disarray. What oh, fucking shit person. For once, Jessica found her hairbrush and held it up triumphantly. Ha! Take that, morning freeze! Come on in, Charlie said. Realizing she and Marla were still in the doorway, the door was wide open. Marla nodded. One sec, Jason! One sec, Jason. Jason! She shouted out the door. No one emerged. Jason! Ow! Okay. I'm gonna hope Marla doesn't speak as much. Because <laughs> that hurts. A young boy... <coughs> A young boy came trotting up from the road. He was short and oh, it's even. He was short and wary, dark skinned, dark skinned, and his half sister. Oh, never mind. His Batman T-shirt and black shorts were made for someone twice his size. His oh, fuck. I should have gave him the Batman voice. Fuck. His hair was cut close to his head, and his arms and legs were streaked with dirt. What are you playing in the road? Marla demanded. Fuck. No. 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 He said. Yes, you were. Don't do that. If you want to get yourself killed, Mom's going to blame me. Get inside. Marla shoved her little brother inside and shook her head. How old are you now? Charlie asked. Eleven. Wait. Eleven. Jason said. He went to the TV and started filling with the buttons. Jason, stop it. Marla said. Play with your action fingers. I'm not a little kid, he said. <laughs> Anyways, they're in the car. But he stepped away from the television and went to look out the window. Marla rubbed her eyes. We just got here. We had to leave at six this morning. And someone, she said, pointedly glancing over her shoulders at Jason, wouldn't stop fiddling with the radio. I am so tired. She did seem tired, <laughs> but, she ne but then she never did. At their sleepovers as kids, Charlie remembered her bouncing around like a maniac while the rest of them were winding down for the night, then falling asleep abruptly like a cartoon character who had been hit over the head with a rolling pin. We should get ready, Jessica said. We're supposed to meet the guys at the diner in an hour. Hurry, Marla said. We have to change too. I didn't want to get it all gross while we were driving. Jason, you can watch TV, Charlie said, and he looked at Marla. She nodded, and he grinned and turned it on started to flip through channels please just pick a channel marla said charlie charlie headed into the bathroom to get dressed while jessica fussed with her hair god my fucking throat ah oh, my voice my voice is gonna hurt so much today ah. there. a little less than an hour later they pulled into the diner parking lot the others were already there, in the same room in the night before. When they got inside, Marla performed a second round of squeals and hugs. Ah. Only slightly quieter now. They were in public. Overshadowed by her enthusiasm, Lamar stood and waved at Jessica, and Charlie waiting until Marla sat down. Oh my god, another voice. Ah. Hi guys. Hi guys. Wait. Hi guys. Yeah, okay, there you go. Hi guys, he said at last. He was wearing a dark tie and dark gray suit. 
He was tall and thin, black. What is that just? It's he was tall and thin, comma, black, comma. Who wrote? His features were sharp and attractive. Why did they describe him like that? It's so fucked up. Nope. He looked just a little older than the rest of them. It could have been the suit, but Charlie thought it was always something about the way he stood, holding himself like he would be comfortable wherever he was. They all had dressed up a little bit for the ceremony. Marla had changed at the motel, and she and Jessica were both wearing dresses. <coughs> Jessica was knee-length and covered in pastel flowers, a light fabric that moved as she walked. Marla was simple, white and white with big sunflowers splashed over the fabric. Charlie hadn't thought to bring a dress. What a loser. And she hoped that she didn't look out of place in black pants and a white button-down shirt. What a bad compliment. Just plain white button-down. John was wearing a slightly purple light, oh wait, was wearing a light purple shirt today, though he had added a matching tie in a darker color. And Carlton seemed to be wearing an identical outfit as before. Still all in black, they all sat down. Well, don't we look all nice? Marla said. Where's Jason? Jessica craned her head from side to side. Marla groaned. I'll be right back. She scooted out of the booth and hurried out the door. Lamar, what have you been up to? Charlie said. He grinned. He's in an Ivy League, man. What? He's a... He's... He's in the Ivy... He's in the Ivy... Hey... Hey, um, he's in the Ivy League, man, Carlton said, teasing. Lamar looked briefly down at the table, but he smiled. Early acceptance, was all he said. Which one? Jessica said. Cornell. Wait, how did you already apply to college? Charlie said. That's not till next year. I don't even know when I want to go. Skip sixth grade, John said. There was a brief flickering flicker of something across his face, and Charlie knew what it was. John liked being the clever one, the per, per, precautious one. Lamar had been all, been kind of a goof off when they were all kids, and now he leapt, had leapt ahead. John forced a grin, and the moment passed. Congratulations, he said, with no hint that it was not entirely sincere. Marla came bursting in again, this time towing Jason behind her, holding onto his upper arm. At the hotel, she had made him change as well, into a blazer and khakis, though he was still wearing his Nikes. I'm coming, stop it, he whined. Is that Jason? Carlton said. Yeah, Jason said. Do you remember me? Carlton said. I don't remember any of you, Jason said unapologetically. Sit here, sit there, Charlie Marla, Marla said, pointing to the booth over. Okay, he grumbled. Marla can sit with us, Jessica said. Jason, come on over. I want I want to sit here, he said, and sat down behind him. He pulled a video game. Wait, no. I want to sit here, he said, and sat down behind him. He pulled a video game out of his pocket, and it was oblivious to the world. The waitress came over, and they ordered. Marla told her to put Jason's breakfast on her, their check. When their food came, Charlie checked her watch. We don't have much time. We don't have a lot of time, she said. We'll get there, Charlie said. Carlton said. It's not far, 
A small piece of food fell out of his mouth as he gesturing down the road. Pussy, it's not that far, it's down the road. Have you been back to school? Have you been back to school? I, fuck, I can't. Lamar's was. I don't know. Have you been back to school? Have you been back to school? Have you been back to school? Okay, that's. Lamar said, and Carlton shrugged. I pass it sometimes. I know this is a nostalgia trip for all of you, but I just live here. I don't know exactly go around reminiscing about kindergarten all the time. They were all quiet for a second. They haven't seen each other since kindergarten? Who the fuck are they still contacting after kindergarten? Who, who makes that close with friends in kindergarten? What the fuck? I don't talk to any of my California fucking kindergarten classmates. I don't even think I can remember the name from any of them. They were all quiet for a sec, the beeps and pings of Jason's video game filling the silence. Hey, did you know Lamar's going to Cornell next year? Jessica said to Marla. Really? Wait. Really? Well, aren't you ahead of the pack? She said. He looked down at his plate. When he looked up, he was a little flush. All part of the five-year plan, he said. They laughed. <laughs> and his blush deepened. It's kind of weird to be back here, he said, hastily changing the subject. I think it's strange that I'm the only one who still lives here, Carlton said. Nobody ever leaves her again. Isn't it? Ain't it strange though? Jessica said thoughtfully. My parents, you remember, my mom's from New York originally. She used to joke around going back. When I go back to New York, it but it might what the fuck? But it might as well have been when I win the lottery. She didn't mean it. And then right after Michael, right after. She stopped joking about it. Then three months later, when we were all on a plane to visit her sister in Queens, and we never came back. My dad's father died when I was nine, and they came back to Hurricane for the funeral without me. They didn't want me to come back here, and honestly, I didn't want to go. I was kind of anxious the whole time they were gone. I kept looking out the window, hoping they would come back early. Like something bad was going to happen if they stayed. They looked at each other, considering. Charlie knew that they all had moved on, but Carlton. But, I, I, but she had never thought about it. People moved all the time. Carlton was right, though. People didn't leave Hurricane. It's because my dad got the job the summer after the growth, John said. Well, who the fuck said this? That's not exactly mysterious, Lamar. You left in the middle of the semester that year. Yeah, he said. But that's because when my parents split, I went with my mom to Indianapolis. He frowned. But my dad moved, too. He's in Chicago now. My parents left because of Michael. <laughs> <laughs> they all turned to her. Afterward, my mom couldn't sleep. She said spirits were stirring in the town, unquiet. 
My dad told me she was being ridiculous, but we still had fast as we could. Mara looked around at her friends. What? She said defensively. I don't believe in ghosts. I do, Charlie said. She felt like she was talking from a great distance, was almost surprised they could hear her. I mean, not ghosts, but memories. I think they linger. Whether there's someone there or not, the house, her old house, was imbued with memory, with loss, with longing. It hung in the air with humidity. The walls were saturated, like the wood had soaked in it. It had been there before she came. It was there now. It would be there forever. It had to be. There was too much, too great, and a vast... Wait, who the fuck is calling me? Yo. Hello? Uh, I don't know. Let me... Bye. <laughs> okay, back to it. It had been there before, and it was there now. Oh, fucking Christ. There was too much, too great, and a vast weight for Charlie to have brought it with her. That does... That doesn't make any sense, Jessica said. Memory, memory is in our brains, like literally stored in the brain. You can see it on the scan, and you can see it on my pussy. It can't exist outside of someone's mind. I don't know, John said. I think all places had atmosphere. Old houses, sometimes, place where... Well, you rock, you feel, you feel sad on the start, even though you've never been there before. <coughs> That's not other people's memories, though, Lamar said. That's subconscious cues. Stuff we don't realize we're noticing. That tells us we should feel some way. Peeling paint, old-fashioned furniture, lace curtains, details that tell us to be nostalgic. Mostly things we pick up for movies, probably. I got lost at a carnival when I was four. I never got so scared in my life. But I don't think anybody's feeling suddenly desperate for their mom when they pass that Ferris wheel. Maybe they are. <laughs> <laughs> Martha said. I don't know. Sometimes I have little moments. It's like there's something I forgot. Something I regret. Or that I'm happy about. Or something that makes me want to cry. But it's only there for a split second. Then it's gone. Maybe we're all shedding our fear and regret. And hope everywhere we go. And catching up traces of people we've never met. Maybe it's everywhere. Oh my god, my fucking throat. <laughs> That's funny. Ugh. 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 I hope they get separated so I don't have to keep switching voices. How is that different from believing in ghosts? Lamar said. It's totally different, Marla, sa Marla said. It's not supernatural, and it's not like the soul of dead people. 
It's just people leaving their mark on the world. So, it's the ghost of living people, Lamar said. No, you're talking about specific having some kind of agencies that can hang around a specific place after the person is gone. Wait, no. Okay, I fucked up. That was supposed to read like that. <laughs> Lamar said. No. You're talking about people having some kind of essence that can hang around a specific place after the person is gone, Lamar said. That's a ghost. No, it's not. It's not saying it's right. I'm not saying you're right. Marla said. She closed her eyes for a minute, thinking. <clears throat> okay. She said, at last. Oh my god, my stomach. <sighs> <sighs> how, how far am I? I'm already almost 30 minutes. Damn. Damn. Oh, my drag needs. <sighs> okay. Do you all remember my grandmother? I do, said Jason. She was my grandmother, too. She was my dad's. She was my dad's mom, not yours, Marla said. Anyway, you were only a year old when she died. I do remember her, Jason said quietly. I do remember her, Jason said quietly. Okay, Marla said. So she... Fuck! Marla has to shut the fuck up for a second. So she collected dolls from the time she was a kid. She and my grandmother used to travel a lot after he retired. And she'd bring them back from all over the world. She had them in from France. Oh my boys. Oh my god, she meets for so long. Egypt, Italy, Brazil, China, everywhere. She kept them in their own special room. It was full of them. Shells and shells of dolls. Some tiny, some almost big as I was. I'm getting lightheaded. <laughs> I loved it. One of my earliest memories is me playing in that room with the dolls. I'm sweating. I'm sweating from reading, speaking in her voice. I remember my dad would always warn me, and my grandmother would always laugh and said, "Toys should be should be played with." <gasps> no! I had a favorite 21 inch <laughs> red hair doll in a sh short, shiny, white dress. <laughs> like Shirley Temple, I called her Maggie. She was from the 1940. I loved her. I told her everything. Oh, I'm gonna pass out. Ah! <laughs> oh, this place is. I ran out of drink. <sighs> and when I was lonely, I would imagine myself in that room playing with Maggie. My grandmother died when I was six. 
when my dad and I went to see my grandfather after the funeral, he told me I should pick up a doll to keep from the collection. I went to the room to get Maggie. As soon as I walked through the door, something was wrong. Oh my god. Shut the fuck up, Marla. Oh my god. <laughs> it was as the light had changed, becoming darker, harsher than it used to be. I can go I can go deeper. I looked around in the live the playful poses of the dolls now seemed unnatural. This disjointed it was all of them staring at me i didn't know what they wanted maggie was in the corner i took a step forward <gasps> then i stopped i met her eyes and instead of being in class i was all stranger i turned and ran i ran down the Lower Satan's Looking back until I reached my father's side. Until I picked up a doll, I just shook my head. I never went back in that room. Oh my god. Oh. <sighs> my throat hurts. My throat hurts. Ah. Fuck. Oh, I need a second. I need a second. Oh, I know I will pause. <laughs> I have to take a, a quick, quick breather. Why? <laughs> I didn't think they'd make her talk so fucking much. It's like the most someone's gotten. I don't even know what she's talking about. I was just struggling to breathe. Speak and not try to pass out from being lightheaded. Uh, okay, okay, the show must go on. Everyone was silent. Charlie was transfixed, still seeing little Marla running for her life. What happened to the dolls? Wait, what happened to the dolls? Carlton said, only half breaking the spell. I don't know. I think my mom sold them to another collector when my grandfather died. Okay, my throat's actually going to start bleeding soon or something. Marla said, Sorry, Mar Marla, Lamar said. It's still just tricks of the mind. You missed your grandmother. You were frightened of death. And dolls are inherently freaky. Charlie broke in, wanting to head off the argument. Is everyone done eating? She said. We have to go soon. We still have plenty of time. Carlton looked down at his watch. It's like five minutes away or something. Cool your tits. Something else fell out of his mouth landing next to the food. First dropped a bit of food. John looked around the table from person to person as though he were waiting for something. We have to wait, wait. We have to tell them, he said, looking at Charlie. Oh yeah, we totally do. Oh yeah, we totally do, Jessica said. Tell us what? Jason piped up. <coughs> Peeking over the back of. Ooh, what did I get? Oh, nut. <laughs> Peeking over the back of Marla's seat. Shush. 
Marla said half-heartedly. She was looking at John. Tell us what? John dropped his voice, forcing everyone to lean in closer. Charlie did it too, eager to hear, even though she knew exactly what he was going to say. We went to Freddy's last night, he said. Freddy is still there, Marla exclaimed too loud. Shush, Jessica said, making a frantic hand movements. I'm making hand movements. No, she had to do it in her. I don't know how to do it, Jessica accent. Sorry, Marla whispered. I just can't believe it's still there. Marla, shut the fuck up! It's not there, Carlton said, raising his eyebrows, grinning. Enigmatically? E-N-I-G-M-A-T-I-C-A-L-L-Y. What the fuck? Uh, fuck these words. At Lamar. I heard him, John said. <laughs> like how he know I've been talking John's voice as soon as I go. <laughs> they were supposed to knock down to the building, but I never did. <laughs> but I built around it. Assumed it, John corrected. And you got in, Lamar said. Charlie nodded confirmation. No. No way, he said. What was it like? Marla said, asked. Exactly the same, John said. It was like... It was like everyone vanished, Charlie said softly. I want to go too. You have to take us. Marla said. Jessica cleared her throat instantly, hesitantly. <gasps> they all looked at her. I don't know, she said slowly. I mean, today, should we? We, ha we have to see it, Lamar said. You can't tell us this and not let us see it. Yeah, I want to see it, Jason chimed in. What's Freddy's? They ignored him. His eyes were wide and he was hanging onto every word. Maybe Jessica. <laughs> Maybe Jessica's right. John said reluctantly. Maybe this was Rockfall to God tonight. There was a moment pause, and Charlie knew they were waiting for her to talk. She was the only one they were really afraid of offending. They needed her permission. I think we should go, she said. I don't think it's disrespectful. It's almost a way of honoring what happened. She looked around the table. Jessica was nodding. Charlie wasn't sure if it was much of an argument. But they didn't need to be convinced. They just wanted an excuse. Marla twisted herself to look at Jason's plate. Are you done eating? She said. Yep. He said. Marla pointed to the game in his hand. Oh wait. Yep. Yep. He said. Marla pointed at the game. You know you can't play that during the ceremony. Oh, I am about to bleed for my throat. I can feel it. Uh, we're only 35 minutes away. <laughs> it's like basically half an hour left. I'm gonna go get water, so. Enjoy whatever fucking random royalty-free music I found. And constantly kept replaying and not changing the song. Enjoy it while I'm gone. <laughs>
Hope you guys enjoyed that music. Wow, it was so good. Amazing. <laughs> Alright. Uh, she was saying you can't play with it in the ceremony. <coughs> there we go. Yep. I'm, I'm serious, Jason. I'm, uh, I'm locking in the car. Why don't you just lock me in the car? He muttered. I'd love to. <laughs> Marla said under her breath. As she turned back to the group. Okay, we can go. They headed to the school in a car van. The boys in Carlton's car, Marla following, and Charlie bringing up the rear. We should have carpooled, Jessica said idly, staring out the window. It hadn't occurred to Charlie. I guess. I guess, she said. On the other hand, I'm not sure I want to ride with Marla and Jason, Jessica said plainly. They're kind of intense, Charlie agreed. When they arrived the parking when they arrived to the parking lot was already jam full. Charlie parked on the sides of a side street in hoping she was a, she, in what she hoped was a legal spot. And they walked to the school along to the familiar sidewalk. Jessica shivered. I've got goosebumps. It's weird to be here, Charlie said. The school looked unchanged from outside, but the fence was new, slick, black plastic, coated chain link. The whole town was like this, a mix of old and new, familiar or not. The things that had been that had changed seemed out of place. The things that had remained the same made Charlie feel out of place. It must be so strange for Carlton. <laughs> <laughs> This is a nostalgia trip for you, but I just live here, he said. He had said. Somehow. <laughs> what the fuck? Charlie was not sure she believed that. When they got out when they got to the playing field behind the school, the bleachers were already full. Rows of folding chairs had been laid out in front of the them. To add more seating, and Charlie spotted Marla and the boys at the front. Oh my god. Okay. Oh, great, she said. I don't want to sit in the front row. I don't mind, Jessica said. Charlie looked at her. Of course you don't mind, she wanted to say. You're, you're, you. Yeah, she said. No big deal. Half the town must be here. She observed as they made her way up to the group. Where two seats had been saved, there was one open in the front row next to Carlton and one behind it. Besides Marla. I don't think Marla was speaking if Marla's at the bleachers. <laughs> I think I just said Jessica. Whatever. Jessica winked at Charlie and sat down next to Carlton. She leaned toward him and they started whispering. Charlie repeated herself to Marla. There's a lot of people here, she said. Yeah. Marla said. I mean, it's a small town, you know. Michael's. It was a big deal. Plus, his parents still live here. People remember. People remember. Charlie echoed. Oh, wait. Fuck! She was talking. Michaels, it was a big deal. Plus, his parents still live here. People remember. People remember, Charlie echoed softly. There was. Uh, if you guys hear that noise, I figured out it's my loud ass fucking laptop. <laughs> I was trying to figure out what it, I thought it was like outside or from like an air vent above me. It's my fucking laptop. <laughs> so I figured that out. 
so I don't know how to fix it. So sorry, that's why. There's a small chant. There's a small raised stage set up in front of them with a podium and four chairs. Behind the chairs was a screen suspended, projected on it larger-than-life picture of Michael. It was a close-up, just his face. It was not the most flattering picture. His head was thrown back at an odd angle, his mouth open in laughter, but it was perfect. A joyful moment, snatched up and kept. Not curated, he looked happy. Darn it, Marla said softly. Charlie looked at her. She was dabbing at her eyes with a tissue. Charlie put her arm around her. I know, she said. The sound system came on, suddenly, with a whine that slowly faded. Four people walked on stage. A heavy-set man. Oh my god. This book likes the fucking... Really, the best description from heavy-set man. Who went straight to the microphone. An elderly woman and a couple. A man and a woman. The man in the suit stepped up to the podium. And the elderly woman sat down in front of one of the four chairs. The couple stayed back, but they did not sit. Charlie knew they must be Michael's parents, but she did not recognize them. Give me a sec, y'all. audiobooks mainly towards nighttime so I'm not disturbed as much so I don't like it doing it during now <laughs> but I had some free time now and I probably will tonight so fat man is talking the other the okay the couple stayed back but they did not sit Charlie knew they must be Michael's parents but she did not recognize them when they when she was young they had just been his parents a species that was for the most un part unremarkable. She realized suddenly that she didn't even know their names. Michael's parents had gone out of their way to interact with their son's friends. Charlie s literally spoke spoken to them as Michael's mom and Michael's dad, as if those were the appropriate forms of address. The man at the podium introduced himself as the school's principal. He said a few things about loss and community and the fleeting purchases of youth. He talked briefly about Michael's kindness, his artistic talent, 
Is this all in kindergarten? What the fuck? And the impression he made, even as a small child, on everyone he met. It was true, Charlie reflected. Michael had been an unusually charismatic Okay, I know what that means, but I can't say it right now. Child. He wasn't exactly a leader, but they all found themselves wanting to please him, to make him smile. And so they did often. They, so they often did the things they knew he wanted to do, just to make him happy. The principal finished and introduced Michael's parents, Joanne and Donald Brooks. They stood up at the podium awkwardly, each looking from face to face in the crowd, as they were not sure what they had gotten here. Finally, Joanne stepped forward. Oh my god, another fucking voice. It feels strange to be up here. It feels so strange to be up here. Was the first thing she said, and a murmur of something like agreement swept quietly through the cloud. We are so grateful to all of you for coming, especially those of you who came from out of town. She looked directly at the front row, talking with Charlie and the others. Some of Michael's friends have come from all over, and I think this is a testament to who he was. That ten years later, with your lives on the whole stage of life. So close to the stage, Charlie could see she was about to cry, tears wavering in her eyes, but her voice was steady. We are graceful. You are here. We wanted to give Michael a legacy with this scholarship, but it is clear that he was already left one all of his all on his own. Marla grabbed Charlie's hand and Charlie squeezed it back. I want to say, Joan, Joanne continued, something about the families who are not here. As we all know, Michael was not the only child lost during those terrible few months. She read out four more names, two girls and two boys. Is Michael Golden Freddy? He's one of them. Because Bonnie, Chica, Freddy, Foxy, and Golden Freddy. Because there's four dead. So Michael. No, I think Michael. I don't think Michael. I think Michael's Freddy. Right? I forget who Michael is. I don't know. Charlie glanced at Marla. They all knew that there had been more been other children, but Michael's death had loomed so great in all their lives that they had never even talked about the other victims. Now, Charlie felt a pang of guilt to someone. Those little girls and boys had all had been as vital as Michael. To someone, their losses have meant the end of the world. She closed her eyes for a moment. I can't mourn everyone, she thought. No one can. Joanne was still talking. <laughs> Although... Their families have moved on to other places. Those young boys and girls will always have a place in our hearts. Now, I would like to call to speak a young man who is particularly close to my son, Carlton, if you would. They were all surprised as Carlton stood up and climbed up behind the podium. Joanne hugged him tightly and stayed close behind him as he pulled up a crumpled piece of paper from his pocket. He cleared his throat. <clears throat> Looking over the heads of the crowd, then crumbled the paper back up and put it back in his pocket. I don't remember as much as Michael as I should, he said finally. Too much of those years is a blur. I know we met when we were still in diapers. I know I don't remember, thankfully. 
there was a soft titter through the cloud. I do know that as far as back as I have memories, Michael is in them. I remember playing superheroes trolling, which he was much better at me than me. As we got older, I remembered. Well, playing superheroes and drawing, what I really remember though is that my days was always more exciting when he was in them. He was smarter than me. He was always coming up with new ideas, new ways to get in trouble. Sigh about those lamps, by the way, Miss Brooks. If I had jumped that way, Michael said, I probably would have broken one. Donald laughed, a gulping, desperate sound. Charlie shifted uncontrollably. Shitted? Oh, shifted. And pulled her hand from Marla's with an, uh, with an apologetic half-smile. Their grief, naked, was too much to watch. It was raw, an open wound, that she could not stand to look. Carlton came back down to sit with them. Michael's grandmother spoke, and then her father, who had recovered enough to share a memory of his talk, talking to his son in his first art class. He told the crowd about the scholarship for a graduating senior who had dis demonstrated both excellence and passion in the arts and announced the winner of the first one, Anne Park. A slight Vietnamese girl. A slight Vietnamese girl. Who the? Why, why did they say a slight Vietnamese girl? What the fuck? <laughs> Who came quickly up the stage to accept her plaque, and hugs from Michael's parents. It must have been strange for Anne. Charlie thought her honor was so overshadowed by its origins. But she realized, Anne must have known Michael too. However, much in passing. After the ceremony. They went to say hello to Michael's parents, hugging them and making sounds of condolences. What do you say of someone who has lost a child? Can it be any easier? Can 10 years make a difference? Or do they wake up each morning as fresh with grief as the day he died? On a long cafeteria table by the stage, pictures and cards were collecting slowly. People had brought flowers, notes to Michael's parents, or to him. Things they remembered, things they had wished they had said. <clears throat> I wish I said that to him. <laughs> Charlie went over and passed you. There were pictures of her and the others as part of Michael. It shouldn't be it had been a surprise. They were all together constantly, as a group of rotating groups of two and three. She saw herself in the middle of a smiling pose. Her, Michael, and John, all covered in mud, with Jessica beside them, still perfectly clean, refusing to go near them. Charlie smiled. That looks about right. In another, a five-year-old Marla struggled to support the weight of her newborn little brother, with Lamar peering suspiciously at the tiny thing over her shoulder. Some of Michael's drawings were there too. Crayon scribbles, professionally incongruously framed. Charlie picked one up. A drawing of what was supposed to be a T-Rex stomping through a city was actually, she realized now, almost amazing as he talented was. While she and the others were scribbling stick figures, Michael's drawings looked realistic, sort of. That's really good, John said over her shoulder. Charlie startled. You scared me, she said. Sorry. Charlie looked back at the drawing. Whatever it was, it was better than she could draw now. Suddenly, her chest tightened, gripped with loss of rage. It wasn't just Michael died young. That Michael died young. It was truly what... It was what that. It was what that. It was what that. It was what that. What the fuck? It was what that truly meant. Oh. <laughs> he had been stopped in years. Stopped in tr his tracks. Years, decades of life snatched and torn violently from him. 
She felt herself well up in youthfully in dis indignation, as if she was a child again, wanting to only sh whine. It's not fair. Charlie taking a deep breath. Charlie set picture back down on the table and turned away. The gathering was continuing, but she needed to leave. Marla, she caught Marla's eye in Marla, as a scarily intuitive as always, nodded and caught Lamar's sleeve from their various vantage points. They all headed for the parking lot. No one seemed to notice their departure, which made sense, except for Carlton. They were all strangers here. In the lot, they stopped by Marla's car. She had somehow called down a miracle and found a space right next to the school. Can I play my games now? Jason said immediately, and Marla found her keys in her purse and handed them over. Don't drive away, she warned. Suddenly, Marla grabbed her brother and pulled him close, hugging him to her for a long minute. Jeez, I'm only going to the car, he muttered when she let him go. <sighs> yeah, maybe I should let you drive away, she said, giving him a little push. She cleared her throat. <coughs> Ow! She said. They all looked at one another. Yeah, Charlie said. I think we should. Somehow, following this, going back to Freddy seemed like almost more like a game. It felt right. Let's meet there at 10, she said. Hey, Jessica, can you catch a ride with the guys or something? I'm going to go for a walk. You can come with us, Marla said. I promised Jason I'd take him to the movies. Charlie headed down the road without waiting to hear the rest of the discussion. A dozen feet from the lot, she realized she was being followed. She turned around. John? Little mind if I come. You're going to your old house, right? How did you know that? It's the only interesting thing this way. Anyways, I went to my old place, too. He was playing blue and there's guy in the yard. <coughs> it was weird. Under, it wasn't when I lived there. But I couldn't remember what color it was supposed to be. Everything's so different. Charlie didn't say anything. She was sure she wanted John to come with her. Her house, her father's house, it was private. She thought of the first time John saw the toys, his fascination, an interest that, she, that was all his. Nothing that had to do with pleasing her. She relented. Okay, you can come. Is it? He hesitated. Is it different? It's really not, Charlie said. It wasn't quite true, but she wasn't sure how to explain the things that had changed. They had walked together for the better part of three miles. Damn, what are they fucking walking to? Away from town and down old roads, first paved, then gravel. As they neared the place, they left the roads, ascending the steep incline of a hill overrun with bush and trees that should have been trimmed down or cut ages ago. Three rooftops peeked over the leaves scattered widely over the hill. But no one had lived there in these houses in years, in a long time. As they walked up the driveway, John stopped short, staring up at the house. I thought it would be less intimidating, he said softly, impatient. Charlie took his arm for a second and pulled him away, leading them around the side of the house. It was one thing for him to be here with her, but she was not quite ready to let someone else inside. She was not quite sure she wanted to go inside again anyways. He followed her without protest, as if he were aware that it were in, they were in her territory. She would decide where they went. The property was large, more than a lawn, 
There were woods surrounding the wide space of the backyard. As a child, Charlie had often felt like she was in her own little realm, ruler of what she surveyed. The grass had gone wild, weeds growing feral, and up to their knees. They walked the perimeter. John peered into the woods, and Charlie was struck by her childhood fear, like something out of a fairy tale. Don't go alone into the woods, Charlotte. Charlotte, her don't go into the woods alone, Charlotte. Charlotte. Okay, damn, I forgot her father's twice. Uh, fuck yeah. It was not sinister, just a parent's warning. Don't get lost. Like telling her not to cross the street without holding someone's hand, or not to touch the stove when it was hot. But Charlie took it more seriously. She knew from her storybooks, as, as all children did, that woods contained wolves and more dangerous things. She caught John's sleeves. Don't, she said and he pulled back from the woods, not asking why. Instead, he went in the tree in the middle of the yard and put a hand on it. How many fucking pages I got left? Nine minutes. Okay, we actually might make it less than an hour. No, we're not. <laughs> Remember that tree? I gave my voice a stick. Remember that tree? He grinned, something a little wicked in his voice. Of course, Charlie said, walking over. God, could you guys imagine fucking Marla came with him? Oh my god. I can't do her voice like barely anymore. I really hope she don't pop up for the rest of the chapter. It's been here longer than I ever was, but he was looking at her, waiting for more, and suddenly she remembered. It had been a sunny day, springtime, and they were six years old, maybe John was visiting, and they were playing hide and seek. Half supervised by Charlie's father, who was in his garage workshop, absorbed in his machines. The door was open, he would notice if someone was screaming, but short of that, the outdoors was their own. John counted the ten, eyes covered, facing the tree that was home base, the yard was wide and open. There weren't many, there were not many places to hide, and so Charlie buoyed, what the fuck, up by the excitement of the game, dared to hide behind the forbidden edge of the woods, just barely past the tree line. John searched the other places first, behind her father's car, in the corner where one of part of the garage was gutted out, jutted out. The space beneath the porch where a child could just barely crawl, he realized where she must be and Charlie braced herself to run as, run as he began to walk the edges of the yard, darting into the woods and out again, looking behind the trees. When at last he found her, she took off, tearing across the lawn to home base tree. He was just behind her, so close he could almost touch her, and she sped up, staying just out of reach. She hit the tree, almost slamming into it, and just was. Then John was right behind her, bumping into her a second later, too fast to stop. They were both giggling hysterically, and they stopped at the same moment, still grasping to catch their breath. Hey, Charlotte, John. Oh, Charlotte, John said, stressing her name in the mocking tone he always used to. Don't call me that, Charlie said. Do you ever see grown-ups kiss? He picked up a stick and started digging at the tree bark. 
Like he had more, he was more interested in that than in her. Charlie shrugged. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Wanna try it? He was still wasn't looking at her. His face was streaked with dirt, like it was often, and his hair was sticking out in all directions. A twig caught in the above his forehead. Gross, Charlie said, wrinkling her nose. Then after a moment, yeah, okay. <laughs> John dropped the stick and leaned towards her, her hands behind her back. Charlie closed her eyes, waiting, still not entirely sure what she was supposed to do. Charlotte! 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 Fuck, what was her father's voice? Charlotte! Charlotte! Yeah, that's what it was. Charlotte! It was her father. Charlie jumped back. John's face was so close up to her, she banged into him with her forehead. Ow! He yelled, <laughs> clapping a hand to his nose. Charlie's father came around from the side of the tree. What are you up to, John? He pried John's fingers away from her, from his nose. You're not bleeding. You'll be fine, he said. Charlie, closer to the house, please. He then pointed his finger directly them forward. John, it looks like your mom is here anyway. Wait, John, it looks like your mom is here anyways. He walked ahead of them, towards the driveway where the car pulled in. Yeah, okay. Way to ruin my game, asshole. John trotted off towards the driveway, turning once to wave at Charlie. He was grinning like something wonderful had happened, although Charlie was not quite sure what it was. Oh my, Charlie said now, and covered her face. Sure, it was bright red. When she looked up again, John was grinning. The same. They were six years old. What fucking weirdos are these? Oh my god, I'm blushing for what happened now. The fucking child, baby. Oh my god, they held my hand. Oh my god. Wow, fucking, you are so weird. You know my nose to heart when it rings. He said, touching a finger, touching a finger to it. It does not, Charlie said. She leaned back against the tree. I can't believe you tried to kiss me. We were six. Charlie stared at him accusingly. Even the littlest heart wants what it wants. <laughs> Such a fucking line. John said in a mock romantic voice. Even the littlest heart wants. Okay, I can't do it. But there was an edge of something real in it. Something not well enough hidden. Charlie realized suddenly that he was standing very close to her. Let's go see that workshop. John said abruptly, too loudly. Charlie nodded. Okay. She regretted as she said it. She did not want to open the workshop door. She closed her eyes, leaning against a tree. She could still see it. It was all she could see when she thought of that place. The twitching, malformed metal skeleton in its dark corner. When its wrenching shutters and blistering silver eyes. Silver eyes, that's the book. The image welled up in her head. Until it was, it was, it was all there was. The memory radiated in a cutting anguish, but she did not know where, who it had belonged to. To think, to her father, or to herself. Charlie felt a hand on her shoulder and opened her eyes. It was John, frowning at her, she, like she was worried. Charlie, are you okay? No. Yes, she said. The no was in her mind. Come on, let's go see what's in the workshop. It was not locked, and there was no real reason it should be, Charlie thought. Her eyes went first to the dark corner. The figure was not there. 
there was a weathered, weathered apron hanging in its place, the one her father had worn for Saldern, his goggles next to it, but there was no sign of the uncanny presence. Charlie should have had felt relief, but she didn't, only a vague unease. She looked around. There seemed to be almost nothing left of the workshop. The benches were there where her father had assembled and tweaked his inventions. But the materials, the blueprints, and half the finished robots that were once crammed into the service, every service had disappeared. Where are they? Had her aunt had carted them away to the junkyard to rust and crumble among other discarded useless things? Or had her father done it himself so no one would have to? The concrete floor was littered here and there with scraps. Whoever had done the cleanup had not been thorough. Charlie knelt and picked up an oddly, scrape, oddly shaped scrape of wood. Then a small circuit board. She turned it over. Whose brain were you? She wondered, but it did not matter, really. It was battered and worn, the edged copper too badly scratched to repair, even if someone wanted to. Tali, John said from across the workshop. He was in the dark corner. If the skeleton had been there, been there, it could have reached out to touch him. But it's not there. What? Come sleep with us, found. Charlie went. John was standing beside her father's toolbox, and he stepped away as she came over. Giving her space, Charlie knelt down before it looked. It, it had looked as if she had been polished. It was made out of dark stained wood, glossy. What the fuck? Oh, Charlie was standing beside her father's looks, uh, toolbox. He stepped away as she came over, giving her space. Charlie knelt before it. It looked as if it had been polished. It was made of dark stained wood, glossy, with some kind of liqueur. <laughs> it's not the core. She opened it gently. Charlie picked up an up and awe from the blueprint. I gotta respond to a chest. What the, f what the fuck is in here? Oh, Okay. <laughs> Charlie picked up an awe from the chopped tray and held it for a moment. The rounded wood handle fitting into the palm of her hand as if she was made for it to use. Not that she only knew how. The last time she picked it up, she could barely fit it in her fingers around its base. <coughs> she picked up the picked up the tools one after another, lifting them from their place. The toolbox had wooden spaces, carved out to fit the precise shape of each item. All the tools <laughs> all the tools were po polished and clean. The wood handles smoothed and they looked at them, looked as though they had been used just that morning, wiped down and put away, attacked them, and took her to sleep, like someone still cared for them. She looked at them with a fierce, unexpected joy, as if something she had fought for was returned to her. She felt her joy felt wrong, misplaced. Looking at her father's things set her off balance. Something in the world was not as it should be. See, suddenly with an unfounded fear, she thrust the awe back into its place in the box, dropping it like something burning. She closed the lid, but did not stand. She closed her eyes, not fighting against it. Her feet were wedged into the dirt, and two large calluses' hands covered her eyes. Suddenly, there was a bright light, and Charlie squinted, squirming impatiently to see what was before them. Three complete and gleaming figures... figures 
towered over her, motionless. The sun reflecting off every edge of the contour, they were blinding to behold. What do, you, what do you think? She heard the question, but could not answer it. Her eyes had not adjusted. The three masses of standing metal all looked in a similar structure, but Charlie had grown accustomed to seeing more than was imagined. Imagine the final result. For a long time, there had been three empty suits hanging in like carcasses from a rafter in the attic. Charlie knew that they were had a special purpose, and now she understood what it was. Two long beams protruded from the top of the head of one of them, hulking of the hulking masses. The head itself was solid and skull like. The beams looked as if they were violently thrusted there. Thrusted there. That's the rabbit, Charlie squealed, pr proud of herself. Aren't you scared of him? The voice asked. Of course not. He looks like Theodore. Theodore, that's right. The figure in the middle was more clearly rendered. Its face was chiseled, its features distinct. It was clear, uh, clearly a bear, and a single metal beam stuck out from the top of its head as well. Charlie was puzzled for a moment, then smiled. For the top hat, wait, for the top hat, she said with confidence. The last form was perhaps the most frightening. <laughs> a long metal clamp protruded from its empty face in the place where a mouth might go. It was holding something on a platter, a metal surface that looked like a jaw. Wires running like strewn spaghetti up and down the frame and it out of sockets. That one's scary, she admitted hesitantly. Well, this one will look like a cupcake. Her father pressed down on the top of the jaw, snapping it shut, making Charlie jump, then giggle. Suddenly, her laugh stopped her. Her laughter stopped. She had been so distracted, she forgot it. I'm not supposed to stand here. I don't stand here. Her hands were trembling. How could have she forgotten? The corner. She looked at the ground, unable to lift her eyes, unable to move. One of her shoes was untied. There was a screw next to her foot, an old piece of tape, opaque with dirt. There was something behind her. Charlie. It was John. Charlie. It was, she looked up at him. Sorry, just lost. This place. She stood up and took a step forward, positioning herself in the place she remembered. She glanced behind her as if the memory might manifest. The corner was empty. There was nothing. There was, there was nothing. She knelt again. Oh my god, how far am I? Okay, so we're way past the other chapters. <laughs> so... No, I blame the distraction self. It's not my fault. She knelt again and put her hand on the ground, fishing around until she found a small screw a small screw in the bare dirt. She palmed it, then looked closer. There were small holes in the ground, exposed when she moved the loose dirt. Charlie ran her fingers over it through thoughtful. Charlie, Charlie, I have something to tell. I have to tell you something. There was something urgent in John's voice. Charlie looked around the workshop and stood up. Can we go outside? She said. I can't breathe in here. Well, of course, he said. He followed her into the yard and back to the hide and seek tree. She was tired, a wrung out exhaustion, depth inside, deep inside. She would be fine in a minute, but she wanted a place that held only silly childhood memories. <laughs> She sat down in the grass, leaned against the trunk, and waited for John to talk. He settled himself, himself cross-legged in front of her, a little stiffly, smoothing his pants as she laughed. Are you worried about getting dirty? 
Times change. Times change, he said with a wry smile. What do you have to tell me, she asked, as his face grew serious. I shall have said something long ago, he said. I just don't... I just, when something happens like that, you don't trust your memories. You don't trust your mind. What are you talking about, Charlie said. Sorry. <laughs> he took a deep breath. I saw someone that night. The, the night Michael disappeared. What do you mean? Remember, we were sitting at the table by the stand. And the animals started going crazy. I remember. Charlie said. It had been a bizarre, it had been bizarre, their movements upsetting. They were moving too fast, bending and spinning, cycling through their limit. Program moves over moves. They seemed frantic, panicked. Charlie was memorized. She should have been afraid of them, but she was not. She saw them in their juddering emotion, a kind of desperation. She was reminded for a moment of dreams of running. Dreams when the world depended on her, just going ten steps forward. Yet her body could not move on her own in slow motion. Something was wrong, terribly wrong, chaotically, violently. The animatronics animals on stage thrashed robotic limbs in all directions, their eyes rolling into their sockets. What did you see? Charlie said to John, now, shaking her head as though she could get rid of the image. There was another mascot, he said. A bear. Freddy? Charlie interrupted without thinking. Not, f no, not Freddy. Oh my God, the story's actually starting to become interesting. John took her hands as took her hands as if she was trying to calm them both, but let go before he spoke again. It was standing right next to us, next to our table, but it wasn't looking at the stage. It was looking at everyone else. That technician came over. Remember, and we just watching the animatronics. He was, even he was just watching animatronics. I guess he was trying to figure out what was happening. I looked over at the mascot, and he looked back at me. He stopped. John, what? Charlie said impatient. Then the animatronic on the stage stopped moving. I looked over at them, and when they all turned back around, Michael was gone. And so was the mascot. Charlie stared at him, disbelief. He said, wait. You saw the kidnapper, she said. I didn't know what I saw, John said. It was a chaos. I didn't even know about it. I didn't make a connection. It was another animal of Hardy's. I didn't even think about well, who might have been inside it. I was just a kid, you know. The figure, the grown-ups already know everything you know. Yeah, Charlie said. I know. Do you remember anything? What the person looked like? John was staring up at the sky as if he were seeing something Charlie could not. Yes, he said. His voice was deliberate, steady. The eyes. The eyes were all I could see. But I can see them sometimes. Like they're right there in front of me. They were dead. What? They were dead. Just dull. Flat. Oh my god. John's voice is actually becoming annoying too. Like they have, like they still move and blink and saw, but what was behind them died a long time ago. He fell silent. It was growing dark. There was a bright and almost unnatural streak of pink across the western sky, and Charlie shivered. We should go to, we should go get the car, she said. It's almost time to meet everyone. Yeah, 
she, John said, but didn't. But he didn't move right away, still staring into the distance. John, we have to go, Charlie said. He seemed to come back to himself slowly. Yeah, we should go. He got up and brushed off his pants, then grinned at Charlie. Wait, you, he said. He took off the light. Charlie chased after him. The feet pounded. The asphalt and the arms swinging free. Oh my god. Another fucking chapter done. Uh, that's weird. Oh. If he saw another bear, is it supposed to be William? That's like kidnapping Michael? Shouldn't he be in the spring policy or the golden policy? I don't know, maybe I'm fucking wrong. I, I thought it was the bond, I thought it was a rabbit suit anyway, not a, not a bear suit. So I guess it's Freddy, no not Freddy, uh, uh Fredbear. It'd be Fredbear. But I don't know. This is, it's, it's almost an hour and 20 minutes this fucking episode. Yeah, <laughs> we're just increasing every episode. Uh... Marlo's voice was a bitch to do. I fucking hated that. That was so fucking awful. Oh, my voice still hurts. But that's, that's gonna be that's gonna be chapter three. Hope you guys enjoy chapter three. Uh, I'll see when I can get chapter four out soon. Hopefully, uh, I'm gonna try adding more fun things to editing wise. Uh, but you gotta bear with me. I'm not really that good. But that's. It's 5 p.m. That's a good time to end.